So no matter where you look on the surface level, you're not going to arrive. And the Buddha recognized that because he said, wherever you go and whatever you do, you will encounter suffering. Oh. <laughs> and that if only read as a statement, sounds very pessimistic or nihilistic, which means you are condemned to perpetual frustration. So other translations of the term that the Buddha used, which is dukkha, other possible translations of that term would be misery, unsatisfactoriness, unhappiness, frustration. nothing is ever good enough and so and that manifests in 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 some people more extremely than in others that state of consciousness in many people it manifests as a con continuous uh, discontent a continuous sense of something wrong here, except for brief moments, brief interludes, you've just arrived at your vacation destination, <sighs> until then that feeling comes up again. So, Dukkha, it's a very profound realization that on that level, there is no ultimate fulfillment or happiness. And so you cannot look for it in the future because when you look at it on the surface level of life to fulfillment through a situation, through a new place, a new activity, a new way of be relating to people, becoming important, becoming, getting recognition by others, all these things are surface phenomena. <coughs> which are dukkha. And so I've met some people, famous and wealthy people, who have actually achieved all that. And then they realized it actually it got worse because they could no longer be under the delusion that when they finally have enough money, they'll be free. <laughs> and so finally they got all the money and they could go anywhere and they tried it out and wherever they went they found themselves. <laughs> and they found their own state of consciousness, the unrealized state of consciousness. And wherever they went, because they found themselves, they found frustration. <laughs> and they were unhappy sitting in their private jet. <laughs> and that's a good point to reach, but the good news is <laughs> you don't need a private jet to get to that realization, <laughs> because otherwise the chances for most of us would be slim. Of if a realization were only possible through the acquisition of a private jet, <laughs> or at least a share in a timeshare in a jet, which you can buy, but that's still very expensive. <laughs> so, 
the surface level is not to be totally denied because undoubtedly you exist here on the level of form also and there are things to do and to acquire on the surface level as part of who you are on the level of form so you need to be able to operate well on the level of form uh, learning new things trying out new things creating things on the level of form whatever it is that you may want to create or simply being engaged in certain activities on the level of form uh, having a personality that's not going to totally evaporate so there's still things that are in you you, you need to honor also that level of who you are which does not mean being totally absorbed by it trapped in it and only know yourself as that so to to do to be active that happens on the on the surface level of life that's fine if you live in a place that is not the best that we perhaps it's noisy or not nice enough why not to see if you can find a better place to live or get a better job <laughs> these things still operate where it doesn't work is expecting some ultimate fulfillment through whatever you achieve uh, and then it because if you expect some ultimate fulfillment ultimate happiness then you're telling the world, the world in whatever form it manifests to you, you're telling the world, make me happy. You have, you place expectations upon the world that it cannot meet. So the world, the world includes whatever happens to you, whatever other people, places, activities, uh, relationships, it's all the that's all the world what you own experiences on the level of form all that is fine is part of the dance of life but if you expect it to make you happy it's frustrating if you no longer expect these things to make you happy, they actually are quite pleasant. You can experience many things as very pleasant things. You, you visit new places, it's nice. You don't expect that some place you should find some artist fulfillment just because you moved from A to B. Or you meet a new person, a relationship, without placing an impossible demand upon the other person. looking for the ultimate spiritual partner to make me happy please apply here <laughs> send your photo too <laughs> so the when you when you don't have the expectation that this person should make you happy then the relationship actually works much better but how can you not have that expectation only if at the same time that you operate on the level of form 
you also are connected with the essence of who you are. You, you also realize experientially in the present moment the meaning of the letter E, <laughs> the inscription, you are. So what the inscription is telling you is to have that realization in the background of your life, so to speak, continuously. To have that inner spaciousness continuously as a backdrop, so to speak, to your life. So when you do things, not just when you meditate, not just, although it's nice to have glimpses of it or realizations when you, I mean, there are people who've been meditating for 20 years and never even had a glimpse of that because they always try to get somewhere through their meditation, not realizing the meditation is not a doing. So if you practice meditation as a doing, you'll continuously miss it. Because doing implies you want to get somewhere, which means it keeps you trapped on the surface level. Because on the, only on the surface level you can get somewhere. On the depth level you already are somewhere. <laughs> or nowhere. <laughs> on the depth level, that's the letter E, you are the beingness. To know, and that is the inner spaciousness where you, that consciousness that you are transcends the person. And that is where the sense of being at home, or to put it in a more conventional language, to, to be comfortable, there's an ex expression in English, to be comfortable in your own skin. <laughs> of course, it's more than that, it's deeper than in your own skin, but it points to that, to feel that sense of rootedness in something indestructible. Uh, and that is knowing that you are. And it's nothing to do with thinking. It's not a concept. It is knowing yourself as consciousness. said the information control was so total that you had absolutely no idea what was happening in the outside world and you believed at that time that despite what you saw around you that other countries were much worse even till right now in this 21st century north koreans do not even know the existence of internet and we do not even have electricity so of course in school i never even seen the map of the world we don't even know what Africa, other continents, other race. They don't teach me that I'm an Asian. They teach me that I'm a Kimirsan race. And North Korean calendar begins not when the Jesus Christ was born, when Kimirsan was born. They cut out entire information and people literally get executed for watching foreign information. And that is a crime to be dead in North Korea. So you do not have a freedom even to travel abroad 
it's an entire black hole of information. You don't know outside that cave what's happening. You said the. Now you see, it's true. We mustn't give the show away. That's why there are esoteric teachings. But on the other hand, there is another opposite extreme,、uh, which is not realizing that the show is a show, and that's as bad as giving the show away. So you have always, when you are in the theater, say you go to the movies, and you go to see some <clears throat> great horror movie, you know. Awful thing. Well, why does one do it? You want a thrill, and the whole of the universe wants a thrill. That's what it's all about. Otherwise, it would be boring. But when you go to the movie, you know in your heart of hearts that it's only a movie, and yet you contrive to some degree to forget this while you're there, and therefore get scared and、uh, feel real creeps. That's great. Some people like to go and cry. They go and see some tragedy, and just love to weep because it's a catharsis. It、uh, gets all the salt out of you, or something. I don't. And uh, uh, so uh, you 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 do this thing, and、uh, it is we can say it's vicarious. Yeah, but that is the spirit of showmanship, of play. So one might say then that、uh, it is possible in this life to attain a sort of metaphysical courage, in which you are, you know, really know deep within that the most harrowing experiences that physical existence can offer are a show. Now this is the、uh, what you might call ultimate nerve. And for example, when the samurai in Japan studied Zen, that's what they wanted to get from it. They wanted to get ultimate nerve, so that absolutely nothing would faze them. So there is a poem which says, "Under the sword lifted high, there is hell making you tremble." But go ahead. There is the land of bliss. Don't hesitate. See, don't don't be blocked. Don't be phased,、um, nonplussed by the illusion. Now you would say, well, that's all very well, but I can't bring myself to that. I start to shake, and I can't stop it. It's not to do with my will, and no amount of gritting my teeth, clenching my muscles. Uh, exercising my willpower can get rid of the shakes when I am really scared. That's true, but you must remember that the secret to all this is not to be afraid of fear. When you can really allow yourself to be afraid, and you don't resist the experience of fear, you are truly beginning to master fear. But when you refuse to be afraid, you are resisting fear, and that simply sets up a vicious circle of being afraid of fear and being afraid of being afraid of fear, and so on. And that's what we call worry. Worry is simply a chronic condition 
And people who worry are going to worry no matter what happens. Because when one possible threat is exterminated, they will immediately discover another. Because worry is an infinitely skinned onion. And you can go on and on and on because the moment you see, you reduce the size of the onion and you get your worry down to about this. Suddenly your whole sense of distance and size changes. And because you are looking so intently at this little onion, it fills your whole field of vision and is once again a big onion. See? You start peeling that down. But as you get another little one about this size, then it enlarges itself in your judgment and your sense of values. And once more it's colossal. Now that's always going on. So if you are disposed to worry, there is always plenty to worry about. You make plenty of money and you have no troubles about that, then you start wondering if you're going to get a disease. And the doctor says, no, it's all right, you, you, nothing wrong with you. Then you wonder if you're going to get into an accident. And then you take precautions and then you wonder if there's going to be a political revolution, um, etc whether your house is going to be robbed. Uh, there's always something. So it is a, really, this kind of worrying is a completely useless pursuit. And yet, we feel a little guilty if we don't do it. Because uh, it's somehow put into us that a proper amount of worrying is uh, showing a good sense of responsibility. You're concerned. And Paul Tillich, uh, use this word concern in a special way. And Quakers always use the word concern. And all people, you might say, who are socially conscious are concerned. So when we say, I'm concerned, it means I have a frown on my face. And uh, I, I'm, I'm worried about you, about the nation, about the war, and so on. Concern. Until it said, Religion is ultimate concern. I am concerned about the universe. And he used this wonderful decontaminated word for God, which he got from Eckhart, the ground of being. See, God still has whiskers on it, but the ground of being doesn't, obviously. And so uh, ultimate concern is to be concerned about the ground of being. Well, now, I don't think you, you well, I'm not sure about Tuith. I, I knew him, and he was a very wonderful man. But what I call concern, in the, or the way I would want to interpret it, instead of this sort of frown, is something more like amazement. In other words, that existence is extremely peculiar. Um, I mean, it's... I can't get my, I can't explain this feeling because I don't know quite how to ask a question about existence so that I could be said to be wondering about it in some sort of clear thinking way. What, what, uh, it's a very nice thing to consider to yourself that if you were going to have an interview with the Lord God and you would have only five minutes and you might ask one question, what would you ask? And you've got plenty of time to think this over in advance. <laughs> and you realize, question after question, say, no, that's not really the thing I want to get at. Uh-uh, it's not that. Like, do you exist? God would say, well, of course. Yes, here I am. <laughs> am I having a hallucination? 
<laughs> no. Well, uh, I'm, how can I be sure that this isn't a hallucination, you see? But then you reject all that sort of question. And when you finally come down to it, you don't know what to ask. There is a sort of question in your mind, not so much a question as a questioning. A feeling of, it's all unbelievable. It's amazing. I wonder at it, I marvel at it. It is a miracle that there is anything. But um, it's like a friend of mine who went to a Zen master, got an interview after a good deal of trouble, an interpreter. And he sat down and said, you know, now I'm here, I don't know what to ask. I just feel like laughing. And Zen master said, well, let's laugh. <laughs> And they just broke up. So. <laughs> but that feeling, you see, of the, the marvelousness of being is what I call, or would want to mean by Tillich's phrase, ultimate concern. It's also love is involved in it. See, that's the part of the problem of um, an abstractionist culture such as ours. As I indicated, we are not materialists, we are abstractionists. Uh, a materialist is a, is a lover. And therefore is somebody related to the present. Because, you see, you, you can't love except in the present. When you have under your hands a piece of wood... And uh, you say, my, hasn't that a gorgeous grain, you know, and you fondle it. If it moves, fondle it. <laughs> and uh, you, you, you run over this and think, hey, it's not gorgeous, you see. Well, you're, you're loving it. Uh, it may be that it's an apple in your hand, and you say, I love you so much I could eat you. And you eat it. And you relish it. That's loving in a special way. So, uh, concern and love, and there are many forms of love, there's a whole spectrum of different kinds of love, which runs from the red of libido to the violet of divine charity. But all of them are equally important because, as you know, you can't have the violet end without the red end, and vice versa. You wouldn't know what violet was unless you had all the other colors. The colors create each other. So it isn't simply black and white. Between black and white is the spectrum. And just as black and white arise mutually, so you know red in relation to yellow, in relation to green, in relation to blue, and so on. But if they all come out of black and white, that's the secret. I think Mr. Land invented a camera made a rather spectacular demonstration of this. So, if then you try to obliterate fear, the fear that black may win, you're working in the wrong way. To attack a fear is to strengthen it. Because immediately you feel guilty if you don't succeed. Or you feel inadequate. But fear is something 
that arises naturally and spontaneously under certain circumstances, just as you will feel warm if you get near a fire. And uh, you can't go up to a fire without some sort of self-hypnosis and then say, well, I refuse to be warm. There's something a bit weird about that. Besides, you often want to feel warm when you get near a fire. No, on the contrary, it is very natural to be afraid. And so if you don't try to knock it down, you don't try to make yourself over into some sort of preconceived idea of what you ought to be, then you're on the track.